What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightning Lamp Podcast. I am here with Steve. Oh, well. As always. And today's episode is just going to be a myriad of different topics. Uh, number one topic among them, why the NHL website does not have a dark mode yet, because this is really hurting <laughs> my eyes. Um, please, it's 2022. did it used to have a black background? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what changed. I mean, I know Google Chrome has a force dark mode option, but it doesn't work as well. But yeah, that's my first topic of the day. Get a goddamn fucking dark mode. Anyway, um, so recently, uh, this episode, we're just going to be talking about a lot of trade rumors specifically because trade deadline is starting to approach pretty fast. Uh, don't remember, it's sometime in March, uh, March 21st, 2022. So we're about a month away from trade deadline. So. Things are indeed starting to heat up on that uh, front. We'll, we'll talk some news. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of news to start here. I want to talk about Crosby. Um, Jack Eichel did play his first game for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, yesterday as of recording this on February 17th. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not get to watch it because it started at 10 o'clock at night. Um, that wasn't going to um, happen. For what it's worth, I watched some of it. It didn't really miss much. Just miss Nathan McKinnon, like, just truck some dude in the head, honestly. Like, that was, like, the biggest thing. Jack Eichel looked okay for his first game back, you know? Like, I, I saw mean, they got what... shut out, so it's like, you know. Yeah. I mean, outside of, like, Jack Eichel himself, who I imagine is going to be, isn't going to look like the player that, like, everybody expects him to look like right away just because he's been laid off for so long. But, like, half I mean, a year it's got to be hard. been in a game or something. <laughs> It's got, I think it's over a year. I think it's like a year because he played at the B. He played, what, two games last year for Buffalo and then went down with that injury or something? He got hurt very early on, yeah. But, uh, I mean, for Vegas as a whole, like it, I could see like the team taking some time to get used to having Jack in the lineup just because, like, yeah, it shifted some guys out of the lineup who had been playing consistently and it jumbled some lines, you know. And Vegas had been not really cruising, but, like, they've been playing decent, like halfway decently. I mean, they've winning i'm pretty sure they're winning their division i mean they should Bro, be anyway the pacific division by the way is an absolute embarrassment like i don't mean to dunk on the pacific division but i do uh the pacific division leader has 62 points okay which would in, in no other conference division, yeah they would they, well they would be in third in the central but in in no other division besides the central they wouldn't be winning any of the division. They wouldn't be in second place in any of the division. And they wouldn't even be in a divisional spot in the East because the first wildcard spot is 63, is 63 points. So Pacific is yeah. dog water. <laughs> but I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think like the Pacific's just in such a weird spot as a division overall because like you have only like one team to me that's like a clear-cut playoff team every year and that's Vegas, right? Otherwise, it's like Calgary. Who who the fuck knows what you're going to get from Calgary every year? You know, like it, one year to the next is never the same with this team. Um, Edmonton, it's the same song and dance every year, so I don't really expect much. And then, you know, the rebuilding Los Angeles team, the California teams. Vancouver, which again, biggest question mark in the league. We can't figure it out. I don't think they can either. And then you know, the expansion team. So, yeah. I mean, it's like... It's just, I, there are some teams here that really should be better than they are. I mean, like, Vancouver being chief among them. Like, Vancouver should probably be in a divisional spot. But, meh. But, I mean, yeah, like, back to Jack Eichel. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, um, you know, kind of just a rough uh, game considering it started here at like 10.30 on a work night, so I wasn't able to really stay up. But to your point, you know, listen, Vegas has never really had a talent like Jack Eichel. Like, even in their first season when William Carlson was scoring 40 goals and, you know, I'm not taking anything away from the guys that are on the roster. Like, Max Pacioretty's a great player, Mark Stone's a great player, but Jack Eichel is just a talent unlike anything they've, they've ever had. Because Patrick scores 30 goals, but he he doesn't generate the way that Eichel does. And Stone is a talent in that he's one of the best two-way players in the NHL, probably the best two-way winger in the NHL. But again, he's not like just a purely skilled guy like Jack Eichel. So I imagine for a team that goes from basically no players in that, not even on that caliber, because obviously, in my opinion, Jack Eichel's still like an S-plus tier caliber in the NHL, but like having no players of that ilk to try to work him into the lineup like that, um, it's going to take some time. And, and like you said, Eichel, listen, like he's he hasn't played for how long, you know? I mean, yeah, like it's one thing to say he's been on the ice for how many weeks now, but, you know, you can only take so many reps that are – I mean, at what point is preparation really going to be insufficient to game time? You know, like he can only prepare so much and now he's got to just shake off whatever rust is left in the game. So hopefully for Vegas' sake, by playoff time, he's back in, you know, mid-season form. Which, I mean, I imagine he will be. The guy's obviously like an elite athlete. He keeps himself in great shape. And I mean, I imagine it's all just going to come back to him. And he's got a higher quality of team here than he had in Buffalo. So, yeah, well that's that's for sure um yeah so uh yeah nathan mckinnon decides to hurt nolan patrick that was pretty much the only highlight i saw from last night so i mean we'll see we'll keep an eye on vegas um you know they did have to send uh who was it mark stone they put on ltir yeah um you know like like the prognosis again when it comes to that is sure you can now fit alec martinez under the cap when he comes back from covid but the problem is i expect vegas to be active at the trade deadline which we'll get into later in the episode because i mean the cap situation you still have to figure it out right this is just a temporary measure yeah. <laughs> i mean it's a band-aid right like it's it can't it's like the toronto maple leafs for some for the last i don't know if they're still doing it but for two or three years in a row they had like four or five contracts just on ltir to stay under the cap you know at some point, you have to actually fix your cap situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Vegas, and we will be talking about them later in the episode because we're going to be talking about uh, some trade deadline preview kind of stuff. Um, want to give an acknowledgement. Uh, Sidney Crosby recently scored his 500th National Hockey League goal. Um, obviously, uh, in the regular season, they don't count playoff stats when it comes to that because he already has 69 playoff goals. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, career stats, he has uh, 500 goals, 871 assists for 1,371 points in 1,077 games. Uh, you know, I ju- just want to kind of give an acknowledgement to, to Sidney Crosby because, look, let, let's be honest here, neither one of you or I really have any impetus to, to like him from the perspective that we're division rivals, right? We, we had to dislike Sidney Crosby, right? Right. Um. And I'm gonna be honest here, like when I when I first, you know, by the time I really started to understand hockey again, um, you know, I think 
when did he start playing? He was in 2006. Yeah, yeah, so by the time that I was really able to, like, grasp the concept of hockey, like, on a deeper level, I would say it was probably around the 09-10 season. So he'd been in the league a couple seasons already. Um, I thought at the time he was a whiny baby. I didn't like him. Uh, and to a certain extent, I will say, being objective he still kind of has a little bit of those tendencies every now and then like he does get his back up and do some things that like i'm just looking at you like bro you're a 34 year old guy why are you like complaining about this yeah it's true all of that to say obviously in my opinion uh you know one of the best if not the best players of what i would consider like our era of hockey currently um you know, you can say what you want about the the Patrick Canes and the Economic Davids. Obviously, those guys are absolutely elite talents. But I think the thing that really sets Crosby apart for me personally is just his work ethic and his willingness to do the dirty jobs in areas that other players like Connor McDavid won't get into. Um, you know, Crosby is one of those guys that's not afraid to get involved in the corners. He's not afraid to get involved in the trenches, go to the front of the net and score those greasy goals. And, you know, listen, for a guy that I have to hate, like i respect the hell out of him i really do yeah and i was gonna say you have to at some point respect the consistency too right because like outside of the years he'd been injured the guy's been nothing but consistent like you know what you're getting day in day out from Sidney crosby he always produces he always shows up even if he's not on the score sheet he's still on the ice in some meaningful way you know yeah and you know he's always noticeable right uh in, in a lot of different ways, it's it's different than a megastar talent like Connor McDavid, where obviously Connor McDavid is always noticeable because he's always doing fancy and flashy stuff. But Crosby is always noticeable because you're like, wow, like, you know, here's this guy who's putting up, you know, over 100 points a season when he's healthy and can play the entire season. And yet he's the first guy to, to go after that puck in the corner, right? He's not just hanging out at the side of the net like an Alexander Ovechkin. Again, not taking anything away from Ovechkin, but let's be honest here. A lot of what Ovechkin does is standing around waiting for a pass, right? So, Pretty much. <laughs> um, just wanted to give a shout-out to Sidney Crosby. I'm still going to complain about you because I have to. <laughs> um, but obviously deep down as, as a hockey fan, uh, nothing but respect for the kind of talent he is he still does some things that make me question him from a i'll say discipline perspective you know he's, he's had a few incidents in the past uh i mean yeah, he chopped a guy's finger off so but obviously you know it, one of the best players we've ever seen period first ballot hall of famer not even a question i mean he i would be absolutely floored if he's not a unanimous first ballot hall of famer like what I argument mean, do you have against him <laughs> yeah i mean the guy's easily the best player of his era there's i mean like you said you say what you want about the ovechkins and then this is and then that's but like for me it's crosby just does everything you need him to do and he does it all well you know i mean he's not like a defensive stalwart but you ask him to go out there and throw throw the, his weight around and check guys and try to shut a game down he'll try he'll do his damnedest to do it you know he's not going to float and like that's the biggest complaint we had about Ovechkin for most of his career until lately is that like he just floats like he doesn't do anything he's not noticeable without the puck and most of the game he doesn't have the puck you know at least Crosby like you said is noticeable every time even with or without the puck he's 
he's either doing something, he's making something happen, he's stirring the pot, he's pissing somebody off, like, he's doing something that warrants attention, and like I said before, like, you just gotta, you have to admire consistency, like, when a guy's healthy and he continues to produce at the level that Crosby's produced at, well into, like, his 30s, like he has, I mean, it's kind of impressive, well, not kind of, it's very impressive, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not much else that needs to be said about Sidney Crosby other than one of the best players, if not the best players of what I would consider like our era. So um, congratulations, Sidney Crosby. Unfortunately, still have to see you against the Islanders. It seems like he puts a, a point or two every time he plays against us. So even when we're, we were one of the best teams in the league, he still would kick our ass. So Yeah, I remember I was watching a Ranger game not that long ago, and not to rub salt in but Sidney Crosby's most points against, like scored his most points against teams was the Islanders. He'd scored the yeah. most of his NHL points against the Islanders. Which makes and the sense because we were like number three. We were shit for a long time, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also just like we put you were divisional rivals too, so it's like you had six games a year to just come in and like beat up on your team when they struggled. So, especially when they were really good in the early two thousands, and we were really bad, and then twenty sixteen seventeen we were still pretty bad, and they were winning Stanley Cups. Like, but like I said, even in from twenty nineteen on, when we were considered one of the best teams in the league, uh, it's still put up a point or two every time he played us he just has like a knack for it so unfortunately still have to deal with that and uh yeah but (laughs) um so i want to start getting into some trade talk here kind of discuss the big trade that recently happened with the calgary flames and montreal canadians and then kind of discuss maybe some trades that could happen uh some rumblings that are going on here um calgary flames acquire tyler toffoli uh, Montreal Canadiens acquire Tyler Pitlick, Emil Heineman, uh, a 2022 first round pick, which is top 10 protected, and a 2023 fifth round pick from Calgary. Uh, so Montreal uh, acquires some cap space. Calgary acquires Tyler Toffoli. Not that Montreal needs cap space at this point, but they also get the first and the fifth. Um, Tyler Pitlick, I mean, the, it's kind of just a cap move. Uh, I think. Yeah, I was going to say the picks are the most important part of the the whole deal right for a team like montreal um emil heineman is a 2022 second round pick left winger 20 years old from sweden so i uh, don't really know much about him but you know second round pick is not too shabby um yeah i mean it's always good me, to just add prospects to the pool right give me your your thoughts on what i would probably consider i guess like the big first trade of the trade deadline i mean i think it's I think it has bigger implications for Calgary than it does for Montreal, obviously, right? Because Montreal is going to use the picks to either leverage for further picks in the draft or to actually use them. So we don't know what those they're going to do with those yet, so we can't judge their end of the deal. But at the very least, we can say that Calgary, I think, now is a better team than they were at the beginning of the season because it, it addressed one of those questions that we had been asking a lot. I mean, even going back to last year when we were talking about how Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane aren't necessarily like definite answers to the question marks in that top six and adding a guy like Tyler Toffoli kind of can move a guy like Dylan Dubé back into like a more comfortable middle six role for him now and I think it just balances out their offense in a way that in my opinion would probably keep them at the top of that division like I don't see 
I mean, Vegas might be able to jump them with Jack Eichel now, but at the very least, I, this solidifies the fact that Calgary's going to be a playoff team for me, and they're making a push for it. Yeah, like Mangiapane, for all intents and purposes, has been fantastic this year. He's 25 goals in 47 games. Uh, the real question but, is how many of those came in like that one big bunch of goals he scored early on, you know? Yeah. Um, his last five games, he's actually been pretty red hot too. Two goals, one goal, one goal, one goal. But um, the, ultimately, it, it really wasn't so much like anything about oh can Mangiapane keep it up which which was one of the questions but just like you need uh, some more firepower up front because this is a very very top heavy team right uh when you look at the points totals Gaudreau has 63 points this year Kachuk has 54 Lindholm has 46 Mangiapane has 33 and then your next closest uh forward out there is you get down to Michael Backlund with 21 um, Sean Monahan only has 21. Blake Coleman has 20. A very, very top-heavy team where you're not getting a ton of production out of your bottom six. You, you know, you're getting decent production out of your bottom six, but you're not really getting a ton of production out of your bottom six to the point where you need to lean on your top six a little bit more. And, you know, when, when a guy like Sean Monahan is really kind of struggling this year, only seven goals, 21 points in 47 games, uh, you know, you have questions about the long-term sustainability because obviously, like, Jacob Markstrom is having a Vesna Trophy-type season, but the ultimate question is when, when push comes to shove, where's the goal going to come from? And, you know, you add a guy like Tyler Toffoli who, I'm again, I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes on Tyler Toffoli because I think a lot of people are kind of overselling him. He's not, like, a 40-goal score or anything, but he's a solid, reliable 20-25 to goal score, which... 20 goals on this team is no you know is something that they they need it's no small like knock on him right now you have Majipani Kachuk Lindholm Goudreau and you add to Foley potentially hitting 20 goals that's five 20 goal scores that's fantastic um five guys out of your top six are hitting 20 goals you're doing something right right um you know how do you feel about the value that went back to Montreal on this the the I top mean, 10 protected pick i imagine it doesn't say here but i imagine it's one of those that's like if it's top 10 the pick goes to next year um, i would imagine yeah i mean i feel like a first round pick is always a high price to pay especially in a year where they're saying this year's draft might be a little deeper than ones we've seen recently but i mean for a guy i mean he's this isn't a rental either like he's under contract isn't he uh, he has, yeah, he has two more years left on his deal at 4.25. So, I mean, like, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess it's fair value, right? The first round pick ends up, because I could say if it was a rental, I could say it was a little too much, right? Like, giving up a first round pick for a guy that you might lose for nothing in the offseason. But it, having a guy that's locked up, I feel like they got pretty fair value out of it. And, I mean, Calgary's all but guaranteed to be giving Montreal that pick, because there's almost no way this thing's top 10. Unless they have like a <laughs> catastrophic meltdown down the stretch, you know, and they even would, then yeah. I don't know if they still get there. <laughs> They'd have to do some serious losing to get there. They'd have uh, to like go back in time and lose games that they already won. You know, it's, you know, I said initially when I had this when I saw this trade, I also said that the first feels a little bit much, um, especially when you can combine that with. 
a second rounder of a draft pick. Um, but, you know, he is under contract, so this is a, not a rental. This is somebody that's going to be on the team next year if, if everything goes well, obviously, unless Calgary decides to trade him in the offseason for some uh, uh, unseen reason. But, you know, generally speaking, I think the first just usually gets reserved for guys of, of a little bit of a, like, instead of that 20 to 25 goals, sometimes you'll see that go for a guy that's like a 30 goal scorer, right? But you take a little bit of the, the value back when you give somebody who's under contract. So, you know, I think maybe the first is a tad bit much, but quite frankly, for Calgary, you know, this is a pretty young roster, all things considered, um, but it's a roster that has severely underperformed in recent years, and this reads to me as the GM saying, look, we could just you know, continue doing what we're doing here because a lot of our core players aren't really that old. You know, Manjipani's 25, Kachuk's 24, Lindholm's 27, Goudreau's 28. We've got a fairly young team here, but I'm tired of the inconsistencies and I'm tired of getting booted out of the playoffs, right? So this reads to me as a GM that's that's fully investing in his team at a time when they need it. And maybe this could take a little bit of the heat off of Jacob Markstrom, no pun intended, because um, he's kind of been carrying. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, not to, not to kind of call certain teams out, but there is always a question mark when you go into a playoffs is well okay the goalie is carrying really hard how much longer can they really kind of sustain this you know um we saw that in the tampa bay lightning for a while in the early 2010s when you had like ben bishop right it was like okay ben bishop is carrying really hard right now how long can this go into playoffs and sometimes they made it really far you go into stanley cup finals other times they're out in the first round because the goalie just he might make 45 saves and you lose two to one but you still lost you know so i think adding a little bit of balance adding a little bit uh of depth on the wings is something that calgary desperately needed and i think this is overall just a really good hockey trade for both teams um so let's talk about some rumors that are flying around some kind of big names honestly that are flying around in the market. I mean, Chief among them, Claude Giroux. Uh, he's probably the biggest fish on the market right now, you could say. Um, you know, we've had other names on the market like Ben Sherratt, Jeff Petrie. Um, I expect certain other teams that are kind of out of it right now to be involved in the rental market. Um, the New York Islanders, for example, have a couple of players that their names have been flying around on the rental market. Cal Clutterbuck is on an expiring deal. Daniel Chara, Andy Green's on an expiring deal. There's a lot of things kind of flying around the market right now. Um, so let's start. We'll start with the big fish, Claude Giroux. A, my question to you is, do you think he goes anywhere? Because his contract is up, but he also has a no-movement clause. So if he really wanted to, he could just say, I don't want to go anywhere right now, and I'll figure it out in the offseason. Um, or he could say, I don't want to, or he could say, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm staying in in Philadelphia as long as you'll sign me. Um, so do you think Claude Giroux is going to get traded? See, that's tough. I don't know. I mean, they're so far out of it, right? But 
I guess it really depends on. See, I don't have an answer for you. But if I was the GM, I guess it really all boils down to. Do you think this team is ready to compete next year? Like, is this just a fluke? Do we come back and rebound from this next year and come back better? And if so, would trading Claude Giroux end up hurting us in the short term? You know? But if you're playing for the long term, then I'd say, yeah, do it. Because at the end of the day, whatever short-term value you get out of him, it's going to be made, be made up for with what you can get on the market long-term, right? Like first-round picks, prospects, young roster players even. So. Yeah, it's definitely a tough call because look, this is not an ordinary player, right? You're not trading somebody that's been on a team for three seasons. Like, granted, look, is Claude Giroux the 100-point player he used to be? No, he's not. Um, he's definitely hit a little bit of a skid in his later years, but he's still got 37 points in 45 games on a, a pretty bad team. He had 43 points in 54 games last year, 53 points in 69 games in 2020, 85 points the year before that. You know, his last time he broke a point per game was in 2019, and he had 102 points the year before. So it's it's recently he's been on a skid. But then you can ask yourself, well, has he been on a skid, or is the team just bad? Because the team has been pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, and yeah, if I were a, another team's GM, I'd be more willing to explore that option on an expiring deal, right? Like, let's just say somebody like, St. Louis or a team that's really looking to contend gets a guy like Claude Giroux and all of a sudden he clicks and he looks like exactly like he used to, right? He's now the same elite player and it really is just that Philadelphia is so bad and he's maybe not getting as high a quality of chances as he used to. Yeah, it's just it's always a question mark and i think to your point if the price is right i think a gm should certainly take a chance on that because what happens if you trade for him all of a sudden he turns it around he can put up 80 points a season and you get to negotiate the contract that you want with him right um the complicating factor obviously is that this is claude Giroux. uh this is the arguably for as long as he's been there the face of the philadelphia flyers and the ultimate question, obviously, ultimately, this comes down to whether or not he wants to go anywhere because he has a no-move clause. So if he doesn't want to leave, he can say, I'm not leaving. And if you don't sign me in the offseason, I can just then leave if I wanted to, or I could just retire. I'm 34. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's going to come down to whether or not he wants to leave. And obviously, everything we've heard from him is he's saying he wants to stay. He's not really focused on what's going on right now. Um from from that kind of perspective uh you know if i had to if i was a betting man um i would say that claude Giroux uh waves his no trade clause and gets traded this this uh this trade deadline if nothing else because he hasn't reached the pinnacle yet i mean they were you know, in the Stanley Cup final, I think, with them. But yeah, they went in 2010. Um, he was there, but since then they haven't ever made it back to the Stanley Cup final. And I don't recall yeah, offhand. They made it out of the second round. 
them yeah making it to the eastern conference final and you know for a guy that's 34 the clock is ticking you know it's it's you're not gonna be i don't think it's worth you sitting on the flyers for as bad as they've been the last two seasons and saying well maybe you know it'll get better in time for me to win a stanley cup because who knows (laughs) you know um true I mean, on the flip side, too, though, um, oh, shit, where was I? I literally just had a thought, and I just completely forgot. Oh, see, my thing is, I'm not, my worry isn't that he's not going to waive his no-trade clause, because I, I feel like Claude Giroux is smart enough to know when, like, you know, when his time is up, and he should move on. I just think a deal of this magnitude coming together at the deadline would be kind of a huge undertaking especially considering like the like his salary just in general like i know it's only for the last half of the year but still with so many teams pressed up against the cap and the teams that realistically be interested in a guy like Giroux, which i mean would ideally be contenders right that's really who we'd be looking to go to being so pressed against the cap specifically it'd be tough it'd definitely be it would definitely have to be a big trade, right? Like, you'd have to have some big pieces coming back, and there'd have to be some salary moved around either one way or the other or retained in some form. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, he's making, I think, $8 million? Let's see, I just had it pulled up. 8.275, so certainly would need some some negotiating. I mean, looking at the cap space, really the only contending team with a lot of cap space is the Rangers, but I don't really think that they're much in the market for big contracts right now, considering uh, that they have to sign a couple guys uh, this offseason, and they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with, you know, Georgiev and Kako needs a contract, Sammy Play needs a contract. I think that if the Rangers were smart, um, I mean, it's only for one season, right? So you could just let them walk on your offseason, but I think if they're smart, that they don't invest the assets that they would need to give to get a guy like Claude Giroux for just one season. Um, yeah, I just don't think it would be the return would be worth it. Like, I don't the being a Rangers fan. Like, I, obviously, I watch them every night, and like, it's, it's just not there this year, right? Like, it, it doesn't seem. I know they've been competing for the top of the division, and at points they've been number one in the Eastern Conference, but like. To me, this isn't the year to push for the Stanley Cup, right? Like, this is the year I think, like, the Rangers need to just see what they're made of. Like, go into the playoffs, see what they do, see if they make any noise, and then see what happens. And then make those types of moves. I mean, yeah, I think a guy like Claude Giroux would obviously be, like, an upgrade at number two over Ryan Strom. I mean, like, that's not even a question. You're replacing a guy who's, I mean, a consistent 50-point getter, which is still important. I mean, it's still a valuable role to have on a team with a guy who's clearly has the ability to put up over 100 with good teammates and but and in the short term and in the long term i don't think it really works just because like why would you want to i mean why why fix what isn't broken right like the rangers are kind of just rolling now and like the the areas they need to address that are really like evident isn't this like this isn't the area where like the rangers need to make that big upgrade into like a number two center i think no I, I, so I think I, yeah go ahead no I was gonna say so I don't think really like it would make a lot of sense and I know like Chris Drury's kicked the tires I've heard Chris Drury's been kicking the tires on pretty much every name that's come up at this point 
And I mean, like, I think I don't know how in, how serious the interest is on his part for a lot of these players, but I mean, I could imagine at the very least it's, you know, for a guy like Jacob Chikrin, who we know the Rangers have actually made offers on already. There's obviously some varying levels of interest. Yeah, it's just the going into this offseason it looks like according to cap friendly the Rangers are projected to have 9.6 million dollars in cap um to sign the guys who need a contract strom julian gautier greg mckay kevin rooney libor hayek alexander gurgiev sammy blank capo obviously some of those guys are not going to get signed um but you know you might be able to fit all of those guys under the nine million dollars i think you probably can but could you afford to pay Claude Giroux, even if he takes a discount in his older age, could you afford to pay him something like $7 million or six and a half? You know, it, probably not. So I, I agree. I think that they should kind of just stay away from this deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously trying to get a package done for a guy like him, generally speaking, this happens in the offseason. But the Flyers might be willing to take some steep discounts considering that they don't want to lose him for nothing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I can imagine, too. I imagine, like, if it does get done, this is going to be one of those deals we see that happens in the days leading up to the deadline when the GMs aren't necessarily, like, on the clock with the gun to their head, you know, where they can actually sit down and work a deal like this out and hammer it out over the course of hours instead of, like playing phone tag with every gm in the league and trying to put this deal together at the same time but like you said i feel like this is a move i mean granted it's an expiring contract so like there really isn't a lot of value to be had in the offseason with it but i feel like a guy when you move like you traditionally see guys who represent who are such big pieces of their team only necessarily get moved in the offseason not really during the season this is a very interesting quote from chuck fletcher he said claude has a no move clause in his contract and ultimately that'll be his decision we're at the halfway point, and we're two months to the trade deadline. So I guess the best way to put it is we'll continue to have a conversation. Ultimately, a decision will have to be made one way or the other, but it'll be Claude's decision, which leads me to believe that Chuck Fletcher intends to trade Claude Giroux based on or what he's try, saying. That. Yeah. Since he's saying it's Claude's decision, that leads me to believe that he's already going down that path of starting to negotiate and say, hey, if you waive your clause, we're going to get you out of here. Um which is interesting. So definitely we'll keep an eye on, on the Claude Giroux uh, of it all. Um, if I had to spitball and guess teams that might be interested in Claude Giroux, uh, you know, ignoring any cap implications, obviously things would need to be changed and worked out. Um, teams that could use a Claude Giroux-type player on a one-year deal, um, I don't know, maybe the Bruins, second-line center for the Boston Bruins, wouldn't be a bad deal. Um I mean, Nashville wouldn't be a bad landing spot for him. They've been looking for this number one center for a while, and, I mean, he could probably provide that for them in the short term here. Minnesota? Minnesota, Minnesota might not be, be a nice. bad team. Uh, maybe I mean, one of I the California teams on a whim if they just get bold with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Florida might be interested just in, as an upgrade in that number two center spot. If Dallas really believes that they can make the playoffs, I could see the Dallas Stars being interested because they are the kind of team that I do anticipate to be active at the deadline. Because if the, the you know their clock is really ticking at this point, like this these are make or break years for this roster in my opinion. Um, they need to get something 
done immediately. Well, every year they don't win a Stanley Cup with Jamie Benn at this point is, like, essentially a year wasted, so. Yeah, because, like, Ben's in his mid-30s. Uh, Sagan, I'm pretty sure, is in his early 30s Least at this 30, point. Yeah. Radulov, obviously, he's not getting any younger. Joe Pavelski, despite the fact that he keeps playing like he's 26, is 37. Yeah, I mean, they have young... They, they, the core of this team going for the future is, is really nice, like Jason Robertson, Miro Hishkinen, John Klingberg, if he's still there after this year. Apparently, he might be on his way out. Um, you know, all these guys are under the age of 30. Klingberg is only 29, but yeah, this roster needs to get something done, and they need to get something done, like, now. <laughs> um, so the Montreal Canadiens are also in the trade news, talking about Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie. They could be traded by uh, the Canadiens. Montreal may part with defenseman quote, if the deal is there. Uh, I think that's a load of garbage. I think that they're pretty actively trying to look for a deal for these guys, <laughs> um, if you want my opinion, because... You know, Ben Sherratt, specifically, he's on an expiring contract. Jeff Petrie's still got a couple more years left, but he's also uh, 34. So he's not getting any younger. This team's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> um, oh, no. So not. who do you think are the teams that should be in the market for a Jeff Petrie or a Ben Sherratt? And I guess by extension also, you know, maybe... Talk about teams that just in general need defensemen, somebody that could be in the market for like an Andy Green or a John Klingberg. I mean, I think the Rangers, despite what I just said about holding steady, I think like if they could get a rental defenseman to play on their bottom pairing and, on their pen and to add to the penalty kill, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, right? So, I mean, I could see a guy like Ben Sherrod being a nice stopgap and replacing Patrick Nemeth on that bottom pair who's been decent for the Rangers, but, I mean, I think Ben Chirot might be a little bit of a better fit. Um, Jeff Petrie, I mean, a reunion in Edmonton would be all oh so sweet. I mean, it's exactly what they need, really, right? Help on the back end, and he can play both sides of the puck really well. We've seen him do that since he's... Well, I mean, I've thought he's been really good for a while, but we've really seen him break out in the last couple of years in Montreal with, like, Shea Weber going down with those injuries. So... I mean, a team like Edmonton would be really a nice fit for him. I could see... I'm trying to think. I mean, even the Boston Bruins. But, I mean, that's... A Montreal-Boston trade would never happen. Just, like, they hate... That's just <laughs> principle. Like, they can't talk to each other about that kind of stuff, you know? So, like, I mean, even though adding a guy like... I mean, either one of them, honestly, getting added to that Boston back end would be a really nice fit. It'd be adding some veteran leadership to a group that's still kind of young and hasn't really... I mean, and it's not like these guys are winners per se, right? Like, they haven't won a Stanley Cup, so you can't say they've been there. But, like, they've been there. They got to the Stanley Cup final, you know? So, like, they know what it takes to at least get there to some degree. I was thinking, you know, I think the perfect fit for either Edmonton or the Rangers, uh, I was honestly thinking Andy Green. I mean, obviously, I own the Ranger trade generally they really only swap like minor leaguers every once in a while but i just think andy green for the rangers would be really nice because he's only making like 800 grand this year and he's a stay-at-home defenseman he's just going to do his job and get off the ice he's been in the league for a long time back-to-back -back eastern conference finals with the new york islanders and he's also the kind of guy that at this point in his career 
if you need to scratch him, he's not going to make that much of a big deal about it. And he's on an expiring deal. Um, you know, so if somebody, you know, because the Rangers do have some nice younger players, if somebody starts popping off into minors and they want to bring him up, you know, Andy Green could be a nice uh, mentor for them, specifically for the Oilers. He's the exact type of defenseman that the Oilers need because they need somebody who's just going to be a low event player somebody who just gets on the ice blocks a couple shots does his job and it gets off you know they don't need they don't need anybody that's going to make the game more exciting you know yeah um, oh no definitely not um i mean the Andy green thing and the Andy green connection in new york i've heard as well and i think i mean it's also just a good fit because you've seen what he's done with noah dobson like he's managed to calm him down and really mentor his game and sh- like push him to become the player he's going to be and I think just adding a guy like that to a locker room full of defensemen who are pretty young for the Rangers I mean all things considered like Adam Fox is only like 23 I think or 24 maybe so like and I think the oldest defenseman out there outside of like Patrick Nemeth when he's playing is probably Jacob Truba at 28 or 29 so I mean adding a guy like Andy Green who again has actually also been just in like a finals with the Devils. Like I don't know if he was on the team when they won their last Stanley Cup in the two early two thousands, but I know he was on the team for sure when they went to the Stanley Cup final in twenty twelve. So at the very least it's a guy who knows what it takes to get there. And he's, you know, for the Rangers who again kinda need low event players, specifically on the back end, you know the this this back end is loaded with talent, right? Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, um, you know, guys like that. The Rangers don't need really any more scoring defensemen than those two. Um, they kind of just need a, another one of like a Ryan Lindgren, and that's exactly what you're getting, you know, with with Andy oh, Green. Yeah. Like Jacob Trouba is a fantastic defenseman. Don't get me wrong, but he does have times and moments and nights where. He's a little bit inconsistent. Whereas Andy Green, he's never going to wow you. You're never going to be like, holy crap, look at that play by Andy Green. But you're going to be like, okay, you know, did his job, got off the rink, went back on the rink, did his job. You know, <laughs> like. He didn't, didn't necessarily cost us anything, didn't make any big mistakes that ruined us. You know, by, you know, games on the line, last two minutes, your technical one goal lead, you can throw him out for a 30 second shift and feel pretty good about it. And. You know he's he would be low cost uh, considering he's only making eight hundred grand and you know like you said the Rangers aren't going to win the Stanley Cup this year but a guy like Andy Green could help these young guys experience that first taste of, of true playoff hockey because the bubble not really the same I'm not really going to count that um, doesn't count yeah just because like that was different there wasn't fans they don't know how to handle the energy right like they're going to be going into hostile buildings where people hate their guts in playoff time and and the nerves and the energy even just having guy like andy green even if the rangers you know flunk out and lose in six games having andy greens there for six games just telling the guys okay listen this is how the playoffs are here's how we're going to get through this here's what you got to do stick to your game you know those six games could really mean a lot for the development of a young player um and also honestly with the way that covid and injuries have been happening it's always nice to have a seventh defenseman that if god forbid anything goes wrong you can feel a little bit more comfortable throwing out somebody like andy green than calling somebody up from the minors you know um 
I also think Andy Green would be fantastic for Edmonton for that same reason, because God knows they need help in the back end. Uh, you know, Petrie and Klingberg a little bit more bringing some offense to the table. I don't really know that the Rangers need that. I, I oh, don't, no. Don't I don't think, think so. Um, I don't want to keep rocking the boat, but, like, Calgary could use some offense from the back end. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, ever since they've lost Dougie Hamilton. I mean, I can imagine Boston being in on John Klingberg as well, needing some more offense out of their back end because, I mean, they've been decent, but outside of Charlie Mack, like, they don't really produce offensively, you know? So. I think, so we'll get into a little bit of a discussion here too about, like, what teams do we think need to be active at the trade deadline. I think the Bruins are one of these teams that, need to be very active this trade deadline because this core is shrinking very fast. I mean, Char is obviously out. Uh, Krejci's out. Uh, Marshan is 33. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is 36. The rest of the team, even some of the rentals that they picked up over the years that have turned into everyday players, like where the hell is he? Bald, McBald, Nick Felino, you know, he's 34. Uh, I'd say I think is still kind of relatively young. I think he's only he's like, like what, 28 like, or 29, but. But let's, let's be honest here. When Marshawn and Bergeron go, this team is a very, very, very different team. And I think you have to get going. You have to get something done in these next three years with these two guys on a team. You can't afford to just sit back and be like, well. We're going to go into the playoffs and see what happens. Like, I think the Bruins need to be very, very active this trade deadline. Um, Especially if they want to stay competitive, you know? Because it's one thing to just say, like, oh, we're keeping the streak alive, like Detroit did at the end of their 25 years, right? Just, oh, we're going to keep the streak alive for as long as we can and then whatever. But it's a very different thing to say, like, we're going to get in the playoffs every year and we're actually going to compete. We're actually going to go there and show them that we're for real. And like you said, I think the Bruins, if they really want to show teams that they're for real and that they mean business this year, that like they need to be very active. I mean, it simply comes down to. Oh, sorry, God. No, so like I don't necessarily think like they need to make any big moves, but like they definitely need to make something happen. The question really kind of starts and ends with: Do you think the Bruins can beat the Florida Panthers or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Quite honestly, the answer for me is no. I don't think so either. And so you need to do something to make me believe that you even have a chance because, again, these guys aren't getting any younger. Um, and the clock is starting to tick in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, another team I think needs to be active at the deadline for the opposite reason uh, is the Oilers. And the, look, the, the core of the Oilers isn't very old. A lot of these players are very, very young. But how many years are we going to watch the Oilers either miss the playoffs or do nothing in the playoffs before we're, like, over it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, when is enough enough? I mean, the real question is, when are the players going to get tired of having this happen to them? And I think the Oilers have been linked to... I don't know if they've been linked to, but Marc-Andre Fleury has definitely been a name that I think they should be in on. If he's available from Chicago, I think, like... I think Edmonton should do everything in their power to get their hands on Marc-Andre Fleury at this deadline. Yeah, I mean, considering that 
Look, there's no secret that the Oilers need a goaltender, and they need a goaltender pretty bad. Um, I think that they should take a serious run at Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, all things considered, a two eight eight and a nine ten, considering that absolutely horrendous start to the year that he had, is not bad to have at this point in the season. Um, I think that the Oilers should actively pursue any pretty much almost any goalie that comes up on the market but Marc-Andre Fleury was in, it would be a significant upgrade um, I'm interested to see if I know I know we've been talking about this for, for what feels like forever but I'm interested to see what happens with Alexander Georgiev this season this offseason I don't think he's getting traded during the season I think that would be a very silly move honestly yeah no I don't, I don't think you'd have anything to gain by trading him now but he's a restricted free agent, which obviously means the Rangers still have the rights. I'm just interested with how good Shesterkin has been if they feel comfortable saying, okay, we probably don't want to pay the 4 to $5 million, whatever Eurogip's going to ask for. Do you think that this may might be the offseason that he gets moved? I mean, we're kind of getting away from the deadline, but just kind of a tangential question. Um. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, it's been written all over the wall for the last however many years. And with Shesterkin kind of coming in and being, and living up to the hype, really, like being exactly as advertised, I don't know if he's necessarily got a place here in New York because, like, I'd hate to keep the guy just for the sake of keeping him and logjam him when realistically he's earned a shot to try being a number one somewhere, you know? And it's just unfortunate, like, it's not here in New York because, I mean, how are you... At this point, like, you're just not going to outplay Igor Shosturkin right now. Like, the guy's on fire, you know? He's nigh unstoppable. So, like... It's just unfortunate. And, I mean, again, if Edmonton doesn't get anything done at this deadline here for a goaltender and Georgiev hits the open market like he does, like we expect him to, I mean... That's another thing. Edmonton should be absolutely all over and should do everything within their power to make happen, right? Because, again, like Alexander Georgiev, well, he's not an Andre Vasilevsky or an Igor Shosturkin or even necessarily like a, I don't know, like a Capo Kakinen right now. Like, he's still a very solid number 1A or 1B goaltender who you could roll with a guy like Mike Smith if you really feel like you have to keep Mike Smith around. <laughs> I mean, at least the very least, you could feel more confident if you want to play uh, Georgiev, you know? It's not like, oh, God, we have Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen playing every night. It's like, okay, well, at least we have, like, a 50-50 shot most nights and maybe, like, a 75-25 other nights. <laughs> so, you know, it's better than it was where it was, like, 25% win percent chance of winning every night. Wait, they signed Mike Smith to two years? Yep. What? Yep. Okay, I'm. Is Coxman's contract expiring after this year? Thankfully, yes. <laughs> um, the curse of Peter Shirelli finally wears off the Edmonton Oilers. Because what the Oilers could do is trade for Marc Andre Fleury, his contract expires, and then you trade for Georgiev. Um, I think it, the Alexander Georgiev would be a fantastic fit in Edmonton. I think it's it's a match made in heaven, quite frankly. Um, and low-key, the Oilers could probably get Yurigev for a decent bargain right now, considering that he's having kind of a rough season. 
299 and an 898 save percentage. Um, I think a lot of that, honestly, if just has to do with him adjusting from like every other game to playing like maybe six games without a start. Yeah. And in Edmonton, for all intents and purposes, they could just run that horse, you know, let him start six or seven games in a row because we've seen the kinds of things he can do when he starts six or seven games in a row. I mean, we saw what he did with, uh, you know, when Henrik Lundqvist was still a New York Ranger and he ended up usurping Henrik Lundqvist and playing more games than Lundqvist did in that season and then unfortunately gets usurped himself by Igor Shosturkin, but what are you going to do? It's the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, and even in the seasons where his goals against has been a little bit high when the Rangers weren't all that great. And his save know, percentage has always been pretty decent. 918, 914, 910, 905. Oh, it's been on a decline. Yeah, but he was also hurt for parts of last year. I remember that was a thing. Um, you know, he only played 19 games last year. Uh, I think that they could get Georgiev for a steal given his current stats. They could probably sign him for a decently good contract and I mean they just please get get the Oilers a goaltender I think another interesting fit for Georgiev might be a team like Buffalo I mean granted Buffalo is terrible right and Georgiev's he's only 24 or 25 if I remember correctly he just turned 26 his birthday is February 10th so he just turned 26 okay. So, I mean, realistically, for a team like Buffalo, whose rebuild might last, like, four-ish years, I mean, it wouldn't be a terrible investment to have a solid goaltender. I mean, one less thing you have to worry about, right? Like, there's your goaltender. You don't have to go out and find one and develop one. But, I mean, it'd be an interesting fit. I don't know if it'd necessarily be, like, the best fit, but, I mean, we're talking about teams that need goaltenders. That's definitely one of them. I could also see a team like Montreal being interested in Alexander Georgiev just with all the question marks surrounding Carey Price and Jake Allen having his, you know, injury problems this year. I think it's been injury. I don't know. But I know he's been in and out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he had COVID. Times. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was, like, COVID at one point. Because, like, you know, most I see most of the news through, like, the fantasy app. So, like, seeing who's hurt, and that's how you find out. I found out. So sometimes you kind of just see the thing and just assume he's injured. And it's like, no, he's actually just in COVID. Anyway, that's, like, a weird tangent. But yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I just could never tell why, how, why he was actually out of the lineup. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it definitely would be an insurance mark. And, I mean, Montreal's not that far. Like, they're not they're not close to competing. But they're not that far away from being, like, a bu- bubble wild card team to me. Like, their young guys develop a little bit over the next year or two. They add a piece here and there. You get another solid goaltender to play alongside an aging Carey Price and... I don't know. You might have yourself a, you know, a bubble playoff, uh, a wild card berth, in two or three years from now when Georgiev is only, you know, twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, I mean, Montreal is is interesting considering that. I think that they're finally, you know, this the fact that they're looking to maybe potentially trade Petrie and Chirac kind of signals to me that they recognize that things are kind of done here like this core needs to move on to that next phase of rebuilding and you build around guys like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki Um, obviously the thing that really kind of tips me off to that most is Jeff Petrie 
considered being traded because he's still under contract for two more years, so it's not like he'd be moved as a rental. Um, I, I could see Montreal being interested in Georgiev. I could see Edmonton being interested. Uh, Buffalo, I think, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. It's going to be interesting. I don't, like we said, we don't anticipate him being moved at the deadline, but I guess crazier things have happened. Who the hell knows, right? Maybe, like, some team comes through with, like, two first-round picks and you can't really turn that kind of offer down, I suppose, but... Yeah. I mean, listen, we saw Ryan Miller get traded to the St. Louis Blues when they had Brian Elliott and Yaroslav Halak still on the roster, so... Yeah. Um... Yeah, sir. Um, so, yeah, is there anything, any other teams you wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap up here? Um, I don't think so. I don't think there's been really – I mean, Jacob Chikrin's name has been thrown around. We kind of addressed that up briefly. Other than the Rangers that I've heard that have been interested in Chikrin, it's like the Boston Bruins, who, again, have been pretty much interested in every defenseman who's hit the market this year because they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after that catastrophic failure of the Tukarask experiment. Yeah, Jeremy Swayman. Luckily, thank God. Jeremy Swayman's on his revenge tour now. <laughs> Back in the NHL, as he should have been the entire time. Yeah, bro. My man's on demon time now, too. He comes back and absolutely... I mean, he had a shutout streak of almost two complete games. Like, But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's really anything, any other big news. I mean, Brad Marchand's a, still a pending appeal on a suspension that's almost over anyway, which is hilarious to me. That his suspension's probably going to be up before the pending appeal is up. Yeah, it's like, why even bother, dude? Just, just that hold point, that yeah. out, bro. Just hold it. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll wrap up here. Uh, next week, talk about who the hell knows. Um, obviously, we're going to be keeping our eye on this trade deadline stuff. Uh, things are heating up. Um, but, yeah, so next week, who knows? Talk about whatever... Maybe I don't know. Calgary goes out and trades for John Klingberg and Jacob Chikrin, and and they win the Stanley Cup. Who knows? Um, so I want to thank you guys for watching, yeah. and uh, we will see you guys again next time.